Hey everybody, coming at you today like a rattlesnake. This show is the Pretty Woman Movie Podcast. We're going to be talking a lot about Julia Roberts and Richard Gere and the great 1990 film classic that we all know and love featuring my dad Roy Orbison's song Pretty Woman. It's my favorite movie soundtrack, and it's a lot of people's favorite movie soundtrack. So I'm holding the CD right now because when I tried to download it uh, on iTunes and I looked around for it, I couldn't find it anymore. And I wanted to listen to it with my kids and kind of hear it in the right order. And so I ordered a copy, and I'm holding it right now. And as I read through the list, it says David Bowie, Robert Palmer, Roxette, Natalie Cole, Peter Cetera, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Jane Weedland, Go West, Roy Orbison, Christopher Ocasek, and Lauren Wood. Some of those names I'm not even used to saying that much, but the songs we all know, especially some of these are really good. Uh, Wild Women Do, and uh, It Must Have Been Love, and Pretty Woman. Great songs. We, and I say we because I was there to accept the award with my mom, but my dad, uh, he won vocal of the year best vocal performance in 1991 for the song oh pretty woman which was recorded originally in 64 but because they used it in the movie in 1990 it made it eligible kind of as a soundtrack uh, angle and we won best vocal of the year so i was on the grammys that year with my mom i got up on stage but i was a little bit nervous so i stood off to the side and uh, it actually got a lot of attention, and they wrote about it, but Barbara spoke really nicely about my dad. We had went to a great after-party. I think this was in New York because we were in a tall, tall skyscraper, and and at this after-party, they put us with uh, some of the other people. This is kind of strange, but we were at a table with the other nominees. So Michael Bolton was sitting at the table, and uh, we were being really friendly, and we were so happy, my mom and I, and it was a really emotional time because... My dad had just died a year or two before, and uh, so it was still uh, pretty painful just to be at these kind of events. And as we left, we were in the elevator alone. For, again, for whatever reason, we were there with Michael Bolton, and I congratulated him on the nomination in the elevator as we're going down. And he looked at Barbara and I, and he said, Well, you know, I was just kind of hoping for that one-two thing. And I barely knew what he meant, but I realized, oh, he won the year before. And I guess he was the best vocalist of 1990. And I just couldn't believe it. just was kind of a weird thing, both my mom and after. I said, I said, did you hear he said, he said, I was hoping for that one-two thing. He was, he was actually saying he wishes he won. <laughs> and I, I guess he did, and it was honest. But it's also kind of like you hear those stories about Michael Bolton a little bit, and that was one of them. And... Uh, and then all those years later, I forgave him because he did a great version of A Love So Beautiful, and he is a great singer. Um, and people know personally he's a little uh, difficult. But uh, So this will probably end up getting controversy. I did a one podcast not so long ago. They take one line, so this is not going to be something about Michael Bolton controversial. Roy Orbison Jr. says Michael Bolton was mean to him. There you go, guys. Run with that one. And uh, he's also very nice to us. Uh, so... There's that story. It's a little bit funny. It's a true story. It's one that I remember around. When I think of the movie, I think of winning the Grammy. Uh, and I say that, you know, with pr pride. It was Roy. I think of my dad winning the Grammy, and I'm just so was so happy, so proud of him. Went home, shed a lot of tears. And um, 
and that Grammy eventually will end up in the Roy Orbison Museum one day. But right now, I have the movie playing, Pretty Woman the Movie, and Julia Roberts in this scene. It's the hotel scene where she still has the blonde wig on. And I remember my surprise, like everybody, when you first see that movie and you get to know her like this, and then she takes off the wig and everything, and, and she's even more beautiful, and uh, just such a great fairy tale. But I'll have to tell you some stories about um, the first time that I read the script and some of the business behind the mo movie, a little bit about Gary Marshall, and uh, got a lot of little stories uh, that we'll get back to. Right now, though, it's joke time. So, why did the piano player keep banging his head on the piano? Because he was playing by ear. Why is a piano so hard to open? Because the keys are on the inside. And lastly... <laughs> sorry. <laughs> These are terrible jokes, and that's the point. It's kind of fun. What type of music are balloons afraid of? Pop music. <laughs> So in music news today, what's fun? Uh, the Eagles are on tour. That's really, really fun. I'm really excited to go see the Eagles. Can't wait. I actually considered going and getting like a camper van and following them around to a couple of shows. And I would drive up to six hours to go see the Eagles. So I hope you get a chance to see them. It's great to have these bands on tour again. Guns N' Roses is on tour. That is really fun. A lot of shows are getting canceled right now, but uh, one thing that's not canceled is Pretty Woman the Musical. It was announced yesterday, uh, a tour in North America. So we have uh, Pretty Woman the Musical already open in the UK. The uh, German edition closed because the theater uh, had another uh, production scheduled, but, but we're back on in England, and if you get a chance uh, in London, go see it. It's fantastic. I'm going to go see it soon. I'll tell you guys about it on a future podcast because there's going to be more than one pretty woman movie musical song podcast i'll have to do a whole podcast just on the one song pretty woman and go at it that that angle but uh so the musical is back on i was just found that out yesterday and it tours around north america i don't know how the traveling show is because i haven't seen it yet but but the other shows are just top notch uh, my brother wesley and alex they flew to uh, to New York for a show that they got on stage at the end and and played Pretty Woman and there's there's kind of a really funny story they they were doing the rehearsals and uh, they put them on this little magic carpet thing that slides them out and everything and uh, and my brother Wesley kind of wasn't ready for it and just like imagine sitting on the side of the stage we laugh about it I don't know if it's a joke but. But we imagine them on the side of the stage, and the, the you're waiting, and at a certain cue, it's mechanical. The thing just kind of floats you to the middle of the stage, and la 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 la, here you are presenting. And so suddenly Wesley's just out there in front of everybody holding the guitar, just slides on, and then they slide you off. And uh, so uh, so it's a great joy. I, I laugh every time I see the pictures of Wesley being like pulled into the middle. I didn't get to go to that show for some reason. I wasn't there. I think I was in Europe or something with a baby, something like that. Um, can't wait to see uh, Osa, my wife. We went to the one in Germany. And again, there's a whole book of information there. I took my kids and we were backstage. And then they said there weren't kids backstage. So I had to let them go home. And little Roy and Bo were crying. But then uh, Osa and I did the red carpet. And we were so late. Oh, you know what? Osa is going to be the interview later on. She's the interview for today, so I'll let her 
remind me, Luke, remind me of the story later, and uh, we'll get back to what happened backstage on the and on the red carpet in in Germany. It was Osa's first big red carpet. It was hilarious too. So so today everything is really funny to me, uh, but I can pivot on a dime straight to kind of sad news. Um, right now in Tennessee, there's a flood and it's um, hurt a lot of people. It's damaged a lot of things, but in particular. On Instagram and Facebook, I follow Taylor Lynn and I follow uh, Loretta Lynn. And Loretta Lynn's ranch in Tennessee has flooded. It looked like six foot high in the pictures. And uh, so I'm following that day by day and just hoping that it's going to be okay there because uh, they're such nice people and we we like them a lot. Uh, Other sad news, the Everly brothers. uh, Don Everly died recently. And uh, I love the Everly brothers so much. I love Phil and and uh, Don, and in fact, I don't want to go into it too much today because it, it's going to deserve a whole podcast. Uh, I'll do that in a couple of podcasts when I when I can because I get sad. You can hear it in my voice. I don't I don't really want to do this one right now, so I don't want to talk about that. Um, Charlie Watts of the Rolling Stones also passed away recently, and uh, for that, I just uh, listened to a lot of the Rolling Stones and. I guess there's another podcast, Roy Toured with the Stones, and I've got some stories, and I met Keith Richards a couple of times, so so I'm alluding to things to come, but right now let's keep on going on the uh, format that I have here, and so next up is Orbison News, Roy Orbison News, and uh, it was Roy's birthday since I had the last podcast, that was in April, so April 23rd we, we launched the new RoyOrbison.com, it's still new and it's still news. And if you haven't seen it, go check it out. We've upgraded it a bit and and added some things. And also in the news is Roy Orbison Jr., me. I guess I'm the news in the Orbison world because we did Below Deck Mediterranean Season 6. And that show has is all over right now. Every day, on a lot. It's on demand. It's on Peacock and Bravo. We are on episodes four and five. Episode four is called Love at First Night, and episode five is Ship Happens. And ship does happen. You'll have to see it to believe it. It's heavily edited, and it is also what we call Frankensteining, where they just piece it together, kind of out of order, out of sequence, for an effect. So I'll just say that much. Uh, No real defense. I, I had a real party on this boat. They gave me this boat. I felt so happy. But it caused a little bit of controversy. It was really, really fun, though. I hope I get a chance to do it again. Uh, for those of you that are interested or fans of that show, uh, we were also on Season 5, Episode 3 and 4. And those episodes were called The Italian's Job and Ace of Stewface. So uh, I guess I'll have to do a podcast. So I'm already blowing all the next podcasts. The next couple of podcasts are probably Below Deck, Everly Brothers, that kind of stuff. Um, so a lot to say there, but go check it out if you're into this kind of debauchery. Let me pause one second to get a tic-tac. Here we go. Special effect for you. These are fresh mints. And now we come to the part of the show that's called Song Focus. Every every radio show, podcast, I call them shows, we're going to pick a song, and it's not usually the musical example that we use at the end of the show. It's um, just something, What I, I always have a song of the day. Whenever I wake up, either the first song I listen to, just like everybody, or songs throughout my day. I nearly have a new song every day that's my favorite, so this is going to be my favorite song. And today's song is 
It Must Have Been Love by Roxette. That's Per Gessel and Maria Friedrichsen. It's off the Pretty Woman soundtrack, which by my Tic Tacs here, I have uh, the Pretty Woman soundtrack, and uh, it's on a stand you just heard, too. But here it is, and uh, it's one of my favorite albums. It's really, really, gr I've grown up with it, and it's like The Hobbit or Lord of the Rings or Douglas Adams' Hitchhiker Guide, Hitchhiker's Guide. You know, it's one of those things that I just come back to over and over again, kind of my favorite books, my favorite um, album. And one of the reasons that it's so good, aside from Pretty Woman by Roy Orbison, is this Roxette song, It Must Have Been Love. The music video is great. It's one you really remember from the movie because they, they interplay some of the, the, the movie. The, the opening for the video, I always thought, looked like the Traveling Wilburys room that we did Handle With Care in. And I, I, I'm friends with Per Gessel. That's another thing that's kind of made the, the story more complicated over the years, that now he's my good buddy, and, uh, and I've gotten to know him. But uh, So next time I see him, I'm going to ask him where they filmed the video, because at the opening of the video for Handle With Care, the Wilburys walk in, and there's these tall, tall ceilings. It's a huge warehouse kind of room, and the, the light streams in in a beautiful way. And it's the same thing in that video. And they use a lot of good tricks in that video. They have like a, a wind machine on a curtain and they're projecting Maria Friedrichsen. And that's the first that a lot of people got to hear of Roxette in America. I already, I really love their 1988 album. It's called Look Sharp. That song, had, that album had The Look. It had Listen to Your Heart. It had Dangerous. And uh, I think the biggest hit was probably Dress for Success or something. And... It seems like they used that that a little bit in the in this movie, Pretty Woman, too. I, I didn't do all my research, but I always so that album looked sharp. It kind of blended with this song. It must have been love, and I thought they were all on the same album, kind of. But it's the same period, and I was already a big fan because I'm a big Swedophile, and I loved uh, ABBA, and uh, and I liked the Eurythmics and Dave Stewart and Annie Lennox, and as soon as I saw uh, Per Gessel and and Maria Friedrichsen, I thought of a lot of these other great groups like the, the Eurythmics. Uh, per is uh, Sweden's best songwriter. He is an incredible guy and a good friend of mine. And his wife is wonderful, and they're always nice to us when we're in Sweden. So not enough good things to say about, the, uh, about that. Um, these songs, I believe, were recorded in EMI Studios in Sweden, which I have some other stories there. Um, I was at my friend Anders Baga. Anders is the, he's one of the, on TV4 in Sweden, he is the kind of like American Idol. I guess the show is called Idol. He, he's the Idol judge. He's, he's the most loved man in Sweden. And uh, he's, he's the guy who always gives good compliments to the people when they sing on this show, Idol. But he's a great producer, and I think he did some Britney Spears songs and a bunch of stuff himself. He's got a lot of big songs. So we're in the EMI studio, and no, we're in, we're in his studio. And he says, this is the old EMI studio. And I said, oh, is that a big deal in Sweden? He said, yeah, everything was recorded here. I think um, ABBA recorded in the Polar Studios a lot. But um, aside from that, it was everything. I said, so what did they record here? And he said, Roxette. And so those are now the, the Anders Baga studio. And he's my good buddy, too. Shout out to him. Hope you're doing good. And Anders has got one of the biggest Instagrams in Sweden, so everybody go check that out. He's big on, he loves his Instagram. And I'm just crunching a little bit of a tic-tac for you. I guess that picked up on the mic. But we, we're going to leave some of this stuff in. 
So to, that song is one of uh, the songs that really makes the movie. And that's our song focus of the day. That's what I got to say about that. The whole time I'm speaking, I still have the movie on in the background. And so it's a little bit distracting, but it also gives me the right vibe for this. And the movie, the first time that I was aware of this movie, we lived in Malibu on top of a hill. Um, we lived on, on, on top of Las Flores. There's a road. We were up the top of Las Flores, and the house uh, burnt since then. But that was a house we lived in with my dad, and... Uh, and he had died uh, late 88 and basically it was 89 and so sometime in 89 I'm in there and I was overly concerned with everything you know I was like a it was some connection to my dad and it's one that I still have through the business so I would open all the mail in the house before my mom even got home sometimes you know like I'd, I was snooping through everything I was reading contracts I was that kind of thing so um so I, I'm just snooping around in the office, in my mom's office, and I see a script, and it says Pretty Woman right on top. And it had the name Richard Gere, and I don't think I would have noticed Julia Roberts' name. In fact, I know I wouldn't have. But I saw Richard Gere, so I knew it was a big movie, and I knew it was probably going to be made, and I read through the whole script. I sat down, and I've talked to the scriptwriter since then, J.T. Lawton, and I had to tell him I was one of the first people to actually read your script because they're very tight with scripts until the end of a production. So late in the production, but very early as far as the rest of the world. Um, I read this thing, and it was about a prostitute and all this other kind of stuff, and I was really, really protective about my dad and pretty woman. And not that I, not that I minded the subject matter, but I just... I thought, oh, we're going to let them use this as the name of the movie, and we're going to use the song in the movie, and we're going to be connected to this thing. And uh, I didn't know anything about Gary Marshall at the time. Uh, if I had, I would have trusted it more. But So when my mom walked in, I told her I didn't think we should use the song in this movie. I didn't think that we should license the song to the movie. And she said, well, it's already kind of done. It's a big movie. It's going to be great. It's Richard Gere and... And, uh, and it's going to be a really great movie. And I actually just didn't trust it. It was a little bit friction with my mom then. I, I said, no, no, I don't, I don't disagree. I, I don't think we should use Dad's big song for this. And uh, she went ahead and okayed it against my, uh, my judgment. And thank God she did. The movie broke record after record after record. It really exploded immediately. And I then went and saw the movie. And I loved the movie. It was like a fairy tale, obviously like a fairy tale. And uh, Julia Roberts was, you know, a, a flash of lightning just out of nowhere. She was so interesting and such a charismatic, uh, great actress and uh, a great look. And uh, it started off with her in the blonde hair. And I remember actually thinking like, um, you know, I don't, I don't know if my dad would have liked this type of woman and then she when she took off that just like everybody you just fell in love with her as a brunette and uh, and when I saw that I think even my mom said yeah your dad would like her <laughs> and so you know I don't even see a movie without thinking stuff like that and so I thought like oh Julia Roberts this is a great movie the music uh, ended up being big the soundtrack was big we had a lot of records on the charts at that time you know with the Wilburys and Mystery Girl and Roy Orbison's Greatest Hits came back on the charts, and we had the soundtrack, 
And so we, that was that big period, you know, after an artist dies, there's usually a big explosion. And, you know, it kind of happened with Johnny Cash. They had Walk the Line. Well, this was our Walk the Line. We had the biggest movie in the world, international, everywhere. Most sales, most, the, the, you know, the album sold six or seven million straight away. I went on Wikipedia to try to see how much it's sold by now, and it still says like six or seven. And then I said, oh, I mean, that's what it sold the first year. That's what it sold while I, while I was watching it back then. You can only imagine if they include streaming and downloads. And I mean, it's been 10 years since I've checked the sales on that. Um, I'm pretty sure it's still just, it's got to be 30 million sales by now. And it, it's not listed. And when I, when I type up the top 10 uh, movie soundtracks of all time, again, it's not on the top 10. But where I, when I look at the numbers of those movies, I go, oh, yeah, it's just right over there by The Bodyguard and these other movies. So it was the biggest soundtrack in the world for a while. And then Bodyguard came out with Whitney Houston, and that was bigger. And then they started making it a thing, trying to get a bigger and bigger soundtrack. And, and so there are, there are numbers that are higher now. But um, in my mind, it's still the biggest soundtrack ever. You know, I guess uh, there are some really big soundtracks. Uh, in the old days, they would just have a song. So a movie like White Christmas was used uh, by Bing Crosby in a couple of different movies and over the decades. So I would put that as the top soundtrack right there, just that soundtrack music. Um, but, but Pretty Woman came out at a time when that became a thing, where you would try to win Grammys for your movie, you know, or try to get nominated for... Like, I, I don't know if they do Oscars, best soundtrack and that kind of thing. And, and there was actually kind of a formula to it. You'd have a soundtrack to go. And Pretty Woman was the peak of that pretty much and the beginning. Um, you almost couldn't make a movie after that without having a really hip soundtrack or something. And uh, T-Bone Burnett, a fellow that uh, Roy worked with all the time, he, he made a great career out of doing kind of soundtrack albums. So no matter what Wikipedia or the charts or Billboard or even the fans and people who loved it, no matter what anyone says, it's still the best soundtrack I've ever heard. And uh, the number one soundtrack of all time is Pretty Woman, the movie, and everybody knows it. So chapter two of this particular talk is the first time that I met Julia Roberts. So I'm, I talked about how great she was a minute ago, but then... You know, my life crossed over into the movie after that. The movie changed the life of everybody involved, whether it's Gary Marshall or Richard Gere or us. And so, you know, it was a talk of the town and, um, you know, it was noticeable. We had a big, big hit on our hands. And so I first met Julia Roberts. She came into our lives, kind of crossed over around, I don't know exactly the year or time, but she was dating Kiefer Sutherland at the time. So I'm backstage at a U2 concert, which has always been a memorable thing. Every time that I've ever done it, it ended up being one of the best nights of my life. You know, whether I'm in Denmark backstage with the, the Prince of Denmark, or I am talking to a bunch of Icelandic press somewhere and end up with a big Icelandic party, or I end up with Axl Rose. I talked to Axl Rose for about four hours one night backstage at a, at a U2 concert. But this particular uh, time we saw U2, I remember mostly by what I did and who I saw there. So Ringo was backstage and his beautiful wife Barbara and uh, Francesca and Gianni, uh, their, their kids. And I was chasing them around, having fun. 
they were the other young kids back there. So it was uh, us at a table, and it was uh, Ringo and my mom and some people at a table. And a big backstage, they had shrimp on sticks. You normally didn't get that kind of thing backstage. You too, you'd have like a buffet, like a gourmet restaurant. And so we were having a great time. I remember, again, I, that this particular party, I did meet some Icelanders. And I also met Tom Araya of Slayer. Um, he kind of came into the story. So I am, we meet Julia Roberts. Here's Julia Roberts. She's with Kiefer Sutherland. Uh, my mom, and she, you know, we thanked her for making the movie and talked to her for a couple of minutes. Then we kind of, there were so many people that wanted to talk to her, they kind of got ushered past her, and I'm standing behind her, and she was a big sex symbol at the time and, and, and really pretty, and so I'm actually behind her kind of looking at her legs and her, she's wearing a skirt and things, and, and nobody's even paying attention. I mean, I'm right behind her, and so I had the audacity to just sit there and like kind of check her out. And, and and my brother Alex, he's looking the other direction behind me, and I turn to my left, and there's nobody. I mean, there's one guy and his girlfriend, and this guy, kind of at the time, he looked like a roadie to me or something, you know. It's this guy, but Alex is staring, and his jaw is dropped. And Julia Roberts and her legs are on this side, and Alex is looking that way. And so finally, I lean over and I go, Alex, you know what is the big, what's the big deal? What's going on here? And he said, That's Tom. I said, Tom, he said, Tom Araya of Slayer. And so this guy from Slayer was behind us. And at the time, Alex kind of listened to him. I didn't like him too much at the time. And uh, I'd looked at their albums. And so I decided to go confront him on, on their music. So I turned, I go to Tom and, yeah, my little brother likes your music. And da, 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 da. And, you know, do you believe in God? I actually got right into it with him. And, uh, and he talked to me and he, he actually said, yeah. Yeah, he said, you know, da da da, and he he answered all my silly questions so well uh, that we started getting along. And I mean, th this guy is really cool. I was actually trying to push his buttons a little bit, and he just was was so cool about it, and just real, and da da da, and just really honest, and talking to us like a teenager. He was a bit older; he's probably twenty eight or something, but. He was talking to us like kids, and he talked to us with respect, and we and you know, we hung out there, and then we said like, well, what do you? Let's go in and let's go in, and I don't think we drank. We were kids; I was a teenager, so we said let's go in, and he said no, I, I don't have that pass, and he looked down, and so he was outside the backstage area. He was at like level three, actually a backstage. The, the level two was a bigger room, and then level one, they took you from that room back to meet Bono and the guys, and back and forth. So most of the action was in room two, big room, big room with three, four hundred, uh, at least a hundred people in there. But Tom is outside, so Alex and I use our little back, our, our backstage pass, and we pull Tom into the backstage. And he's always been thankful for that ever since. We treated him kind of with a good respect. So we got Tom back into the, the to the to the shrimp buffet. Tom's eating shrimp. We're there. And uh, we got his phone number, and for a while, I mean, we would invite him to parties. We had a house on the beach a little later, and we'd, years later, we'd invite Tom. And uh, I think I did have a party where I invited Tom and the Icelanders, all these Icelandic girls we met, and Tom to the party. And then uh, Tom didn't make it, but he would phone Alex. Years later, the phone would ring. He'd go, oh, is Alex there? And... Uh, and then I got into the music, and that, that's a whole different story, but uh, it's tough, tough stuff. So, so that was my night meeting Julia Roberts backstage at U2 with Ringo and eating dinner and Tom Araya and all this stuff. Big, big night. And uh, I've seen her a couple of times before, but that's the only time I talked to Julia Roberts. Shook her hand, talked to her. 
And of course, she was going through a lot in her life. Right around that time was Kiefer Sutherland. They were scheduled to be married. And she kind of did like the movie Runaway Bride and got on a plane with this other fellow. It's like the day before the wedding or close enough. That's the way they made it seem in the press. So you might want to go look that stuff up. There was this uh, um, tr love triangle and she took off to Ireland and everything. And then a uh, big, big story, but I don't want to embarrass anyone involved. So you can go do your own research on Julia Roberts' love life. But that was going on right around then. So I'll say it was 90, still 91, 92 the movie at 91 it would be 91 and so you know, Julia Roberts became a, a superstar with that movie and they even call her pretty woman pretty still pretty woman Julia Roberts is going to the beach and they they put it in a magazine uh, and the movie has ascended to amazing heights too I, I was thinking of the most beloved movies of all time and I believe some of the top two it would be it's a wonderful life that they show at Christmas and Pretty Woman. Those are two of the big, big movies that forged American identity to some extent based on the time and the people that liked it. And it just they just hit a nerve. And I've seen the movie at least 30 times. I, I loved it from the moment I first saw it. We left and I, I told my mom, I said, oh, I'm so glad that was the best movie ever. I went to go see it again the same first week. I saw it three times in England. And over the years, they would show it. And I, I saw it three times in Germany, in German. So I'm in these weird places, weird situations, and watching it. And I've seen it in Spanish. Um, if you haven't gone to look at the movie trailers, there's one in Spanish. And just three minutes on that is hilarious. Uh, you know, it's, it's a great movie in other languages. And that kind of leads me around to the musical, Pretty Woman, the musical, which is now done by Paula Wagner. Gary Marshall was kind of starting it and with Paula Wagner and Gary tragically died before the opening of the play, I believe. And Paula Wagner, who I've gotten to know since, you know, this uh, production, is a, a wonderful woman, uh, a very powerful, smart and a very experienced woman. One of the one. She is a super producer and everyone really, really tiptoes around her. And I didn't realize why till I, I Googled her background and. She was, um, she was basically Tom Cruise's manager through many, many, many of these movies, you know. So I think, of course, she did Mission Impossible and a lot of those. And, and uh, she, she's just a big-time movie producer in Hollywood. And she decided to go into a musical. So they did Pretty Woman the Musical. It was in New York, and now it's a touring show. And, it, and now I'm involved with it quite heavily. They scratched all the original music. Uh, which meant the Per Gessel's great song, It Must Have Been Love, and all the rest. And I, I still feel that's a bit of a mistake. I think you, you almost can't do the musical without two or three of those songs. And I guess that's wild women do, and they don't regret it. It Must Have Been Love and Pretty Woman. The rest, although great songs and great artists, uh, I think you really need those three. But, but ours made it, of course, because of the title. And we've opened it in London. We've opened it in Germany. And there are plans. Uh, it was the number one play in the world, the number one musical and production in the world at the time COVID hit in around February of 2020. They closed everything down. But it was really right on top, and they were going to open it in France. They were going to open it in Paris. They were going to open it in um, Holland. They were going to open it in Japan. 
Um, so many, many productions showing at the same time, and everywhere it opened. I mean, when it opened in Germany, it was number one. When it opened in London, number one. So it is a big, big production now as a musical. And if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. Uh, the cast switches around. It's touring around North America around smaller productions, but um, but the music's great. They ended up getting Brian Adams to write the music uh, with his great co-writer, and they did a, a really good job. I can kind of see why they used it, because a play is different than a movie, and the music functions differently. A little bit of a boring topic, but I really had to analyze it, and, and I, I give it uh, my, my firm approval and my th firm thumbs up and my whatever. I, I, I completely love the, the musical. I'll go see it every time I can. So it's an international hit, and the most fun that I had at these particular shows was in Hamburg when we opened it. And uh, Osa and I, we took the kids and we went to see it. And this is actually a good place for me to segue into our next segment, which is the interview of the show. And today's interview is by my favorite woman in the whole world, my wife, Osa Orbison. Hey, Osa, come on in here. Hey. Hey, nice how you doing? Nice to be here. Good. Thank you. I'm good. Well, thanks for doing this. You know, whenever I don't have an interview, I'm always going to call you up here because you're my favorite person in the world to interview. Thank you. Um, I was telling them you missed all this stuff, kind of, but uh, we were in Hamburg for the German production of Das, it was called Das Musical, mm -hmm. Pretty Woman, Das Musical. And I forgot what a beautiful city Hamburg is and how big it is. It's kind of like New York of the North. And um, we got off the, uh, as soon as we got off the plane, we were p picking up our bags and there's an advertisement in, in the baggage claim. We walk out to the taxi, there's an advertisement behind the taxi on the road. We got in the taxi and German taxis have these little screens in there and there's Pretty Woman Dust Musical. The cab driver talking about it, it's playing in the background, Pretty Woman the music. And we got there on the night of the show, the opening, so it seemed like the whole city was Pretty Woman. And the buzz, I could feel it. I started getting nervous. Were you yeah, nervous? I, I, I don't think either you or me was aware of what a big production this was. And uh, also, you add on how big your dad is in Germany. It really was a big, big thing. And uh, we came in, and I happened to only have a red dress in my suitcase, which was kind of funny because it's a signature look in the movie. So when we walked down the red carpet, I had no idea how much attention we were going to get. Me either. So it was kind of hidden. You had to walk around a corner to get to the red carpet. So we didn't know how many photographers there were. I thought, it, honestly, I didn't expect that many photographers. But it was just smattering the cameras. I've never experienced anything like that. And uh, they asked us to pose like the poster behind. And it was just on all the newspapers the day after. Yeah, I've been down a lot of red carpets, but uh, never where we, like we stole the show, even from the, the, the real pretty woman from the musical and those actors, they were, she was wearing the red dress and all this stuff, but they zoned in on us. And I mean, I've had it a couple of times when we, when we got the Hollywood star for Roy Orbison in Hollywood, there were, you know, 50 photographers there with these new speed mm -hmm. cameras. So I have been in places where it was like, uh, you know, it's almost like there's one light. So many flashes yeah. that there's one light. Those things you'd kind of expect it. Yeah. On this one, we came in no. as, you know, just kind of guests. I mean, no. honorary guests. But I didn't expect us to, like, be the the headlines for that opening. No, and we were on every newspaper cover the next morning in the whole country of Germany and kind of like minor celebrities ourselves. Yeah. You guys can go look online, Google it, Roy Orbison Jr., 
Pretty Woman Das Musical or Pretty Woman Germany, and the pictures are out there. The pictures came out great. I remember feeling really like there's so many, it's like a machine gun from so many angles that like I wanted to say to you like something. I wanted to talk to you or get my own courage. I wanted to say like, okay, baby, this is it. Smile. We're on it. But we didn't even have time. It happened out of nowhere. No, and everybody but, hears you too. You have microphones. I know. No, <laughs> and, yeah, there's things that are right there. So, so I just took care of myself and I was with you and, uh, I was very, very proud. You did a great job. You actually did it. It was I, I just stood there in this suit, but but you kind of like were so beautiful in the red dress, and you turned and you played into it. Well, there was a guy right before who who kind of uh, were managing the lines for yeah. a carpet, and he reminded me of the guy in the movie who yeah. kind of takes care of Julia Roberts, Vivian. Yeah. yeah, he's kind of like he helps her to get dressed and everything, and he looked at me the way that he that that guy looked at Vivian. He was like. You need to do this pose, and uh, so we did, and it was success. Yeah, that I forgot about that, but this guy was really nice to us, and he actually said, "Make sure you turn sideways." And then he kind of did his fingers, and boom, he made it happen. He was a little pointing bit. at us what to do. Yeah, yeah, and he pointed yeah. at the photographers to get them to go. And yeah, it was like piranhas. Once they started, it was like a frenzy yes. of photographers, and uh, it was a, it was flattering and it was a heck of a way to start it off boom we walked through there and then then over here and over here and then we we had great seats and what did you think about seeing it in a different language we hadn't seen the original yet um uh, we hadn't seen the original no we didn't go to new york for the opening alex and wesley did that and then we couldn't fly to the opening uh, but we're going to go to uh, we're going to see it as soon as we go to england but so we had a double surprise. One was that we were seeing the musical version of the movie, and the other is that it was in German and not English. And I mean, for you, did you know that? Do you know the lines in Swedish? Like we we have the sound off and it's playing. Do you know the classic lines? You know. You know the funny thing is that in Sweden we don't change languages. So in Sweden you see this movie with subtitles in Swedish, but we don't change the language. We don't dub it. Yeah. Cool? Yeah. Yeah. So I've never heard a Swedish version of it. Oh, my gosh. I knew that. Actually, I knew that. But see, I've seen it in Spanish. I've yeah. watched the whole movie because I like it so mm -hmm. much. I've seen it in German, Spanish. I like it in foreign languages. Did you, uh, did you like the musical? I love the musical. Would you see it again? Yes. And Even in German. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the actors did a great job. That particular cast, the guy was great. The girl was great. And... Um, then back to like what it means. It's such an international movie. It's big everywhere. We, you and I, sometimes we're in the hotel getting ready, and it's on in the background. And they show it in Germany about once a month on TV. Uh, do you remember the first time that you ever saw it? It's such a classic that I don't even remember first time I saw it because it's just always been there. So it would have been like on I, regular I, Swedish TV. Yeah, it has to have been on Swedish TV, and uh, I mean they air it probably monthly too. Did your mom and dad, did you watch it with them or did you watch it with kids, your sister by yourself later? Probably with my sister and friends. So when you were probably like around nine years old and they were 12, you kind of sat down and watched it's it? It's probably been on since I was born and you see snippets of it and then I saw it for the real, the real time, I don't know, when I was older. But it's such a classic that I don't even know how many times I've seen it. Yeah, grab the soundtrack there, take a look at it. It's small written, but I mean it says Red Hot Chili Peppers. We all forgot that. I think David Bowie's on the soundtrack. Yeah, I had no idea. Natalie Cole, one of her, my favorite songs that she does, Wild Women Do, and they don't regret it. Yeah. The, the Obviously, the big ones to me are Roxette and Roy Orbison. 
Yeah, me too. Roxette is a Swedish band, so I, I of course, know them. And then Roy Orbison is my father-in-law. Yeah, well, that was one of my questions. I have these stock questions, and I'm going to try to ask you some questions that, like, the press might ask. And the kind of questions they like are like, when you were a little girl and seeing the biggest movie in the world, Pretty Woman, did you ever expect you would be so closely related, wink, wink, to the song Pretty Woman? And so I'm going to ask you that question. So did you, did you ever... Like, what was your perception of Roy Orbison before you knew me? And this maybe even only through this movie. Did you know the guy who sang the song? Be honest. Yeah, honestly, he's also such a classic that I don't know the first time I heard him. And I don't know. I, could, I couldn't really place him until I met you. Okay. Like, like if it would be the question, you, do you know Roy Orbison? And I'd say, I couldn't mention a song. Hmm. I couldn't do that. Uh, before you wouldn't I have known him. that he wore sunglasses and stuff. You wouldn't know. No, but then as soon as you hum one of his songs, I'm like, well, of course. Yeah, and um, well, that must have been a big surprise for you then to learn yeah. all this history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did not know what I got myself into. Surprise. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for taking a chance on me, and there's <laughs> plenty there Same to behind you. it. And um, I guess that's all. I just wanted to talk to someone about like Pretty Woman the Musical. I can't wait. Um, I mean, we can almost make a career out of opening these things. When we had so much fun, I thought that I thought, oh, so we just need to go when they open it in Japan. We just go into Japan. You wear the red dress. I'm just gonna bring you that know. dress everywhere we go. Yeah. And I told Paula Wagner and all the people working on it same thing. I said, anytime you open this, just come. Us and I are gonna come in there and jump in behind everybody and. Where and, and do the pose, <laughs> and we'll see if it ever happens again or if it happens that big. But yeah, um, but no, it was one of the first times I got the red carpet by myself too with you. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, yeah. other times we would be there for the Grammys or my mom or my dad something. But this was kind of us doing our own thing with this movie, and uh, so thank you very much for being a good part of it. Yeah, thank you. Great, great. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's an end of another great show, and so we come to the musical part. Sometimes it'll be me playing something, or sometimes I'm just going to test some guitar pedals for you. If we have an interview with their own music, we'll play that for you. But for this show, this new format, I couldn't think of any better song for the Pretty Woman movie soundtrack to play for you than the original by Roy Orbison, Pretty Woman. Let's listen to it now. Pretty woman, 
That's all, folks. Hard to beat that, I guarantee you. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Tune in next time or go back and listen to some of the old podcasts. But we hope you like this new format. I like it. I'm having a lot of fun. And that's it for Roy Orbison Jr.'s Rock and Roll Circus Podcast. I'm Roy Orbison Jr. Those are my Tic Tacs. Thank you very much. Thank you.